Hello and welcome to Evidence of Grace, a podcast from Revolution 22 Church in Boise, Idaho. The purpose of this podcast is for members of our church body to share their testimony and how God is continually working in our lives. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you continue to love God and love others. On this week's episode of Evidence of Grace, I'm joined by Annie Higgins. Annie and her husband, Anthony, have been going to Rev for just under two years, but they've built solid relationships and a solid community so quickly. Annie's story has two major themes throughout, uh, and they're the pursuing love of God and the providential love of God. We hope by listening to her story that you see those characteristics from God and more evidence of his grace. So sit back and enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Evidence of Grace podcast. We have a very special guest today, Miss Annie Higgins. Hello. Thank you so much for for joining. Um, This is very exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, So... Yeah, let's see. Okay. I I don't know your story very well. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for this because this is um, like the first couple I kind of knew people's story a little mm-hmm. bit more. And um, yeah, I just, this was part of the reason why I wanted you on is because I just don't know your story super yeah. well. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. This is, I feel like one of the listeners now. Yay. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> haven't, I, I think the first couple that I've done, I've I've gotten to... Yeah, I've just heard everyone else's story before. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to hear yours. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a little uh, unique. And this is your first first ever podcast, yeah? Yes, this is my podcast debut. Is that a little a little nerve-wracking? Yeah, I'm sweating a little, to be honest. <laughs> you so. just said you did not wear your <laughs> helmet on your bike on the way over here? Yeah, don't tell my husband. <laughs> um, yeah, I got halfway here on my bike, and I like never bike without my helmet. And I realized I don't have my helmet on. I was like, oh, gosh, I must be nervous. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We're, we're here. We're here. Yeah, we're good. All right. Um, so let's just start... I know you've got, I mean, you guys, you and Anthony haven't been going to Rev for a super long time. Right. Um, like just a, almost a year. Yeah. That's yeah. Cr- that's crazy. Yeah. That feels like, yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah. So I want to, I mean, we can eventually get to that in, yeah, definitely. in that process, but I think we should start with, okay, so let's just start back at the beginning. Yeah. Let's just baby Annie. Yeah. What was, what was growing up like <laughs> for you? So I was born in Newark, Ohio and, um, little backstory. So my parents, um, my mom was raised in a Pentecostal church. My dad was raised in the Methodist church. Um, and my older sister, Kate is four years older than me. And then they adopted, my parents adopted my oldest sister, Shelly, who is six years older than me. So when I was born, I was born into the family, uh, with two older sisters and, um, not long after I was born, um, things started to really go downhill with my parents. And so when I was two, they got a divorce. Wow. And so I really have no memory of my parents being together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story that I have been told, you know, I don't remember any of this at all, but um, is that essentially 
like my mom got kicked out of the church. Okay. And so I grew up with kind of a really bad taste in my mouth towards Christianity and the church kind of at large. Yeah. Um, so I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, and even though my parents both had faith backgrounds, um, we just really like that was not a part of my upbringing at all. Were you primarily like with your mom or with your dad? Yeah, I was primarily mom. with my mom. Okay. My dad actually is a truck driver. He's my whole life. He's been a truck driver. Okay. And so um, when after the divorce, my dad exited our lives for probably four or five years and then started kind of coming back around when I was like eight. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I was with my mom the the primary uh, yeah. chunk of the time. And um, when I was four, my mom met a man um, who owned a junkyard. And um, we ended up moving in with him. And was, then, it, was uh, it at the junkyard? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So okay. I literally grew up in a junkyard. Yeah, there you go. Um, not just a, yeah. not a hypothetical junkyard. Not a, a hypothetical. Junkyard. It okay. was like acres and acres and acres of junk cars. And our house was like smack dab in the middle of it. Was that... Was that kind of fun? As a, well, as a kid, as a kid right? yeah. I mean, we. I mean, I have so many stories about the junkyard. My sisters and I um, kind of joke that at some point we're going to write Junkyard the musical. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but um, so, like, when I was, you know, young, it was fun. There was, you know, we would go out and play in the junk cars, and I had a BB gun, and I was always getting in trouble for like shooting out the windows yeah, of cars yeah, I, and stuff. I can imagine. Um, but. As I got older, it was not as glamorous, and yeah. it was kind of hard to like bring friends around. And right. um, also, my stepdad um, was not a kind man. Okay, um, that's, <laughs> that's putting it mildly. Okay, I'm trying to be uh, gracious. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, he was a lot of the junkyard memories that I have, even though like some of them are really funny, like with my sisters, um, that period of time is marked by just a lot of sadness. Yeah. Um, and so we lived there until I was about 12. Okay. And, um, at that point, my dad had re-entered my life. Oh, mm-hmm. and I don't want to forget my other siblings. So uh, when I was nine, my mom and stepdad had my little brother, Philip. Okay. And then my dad got remarried um, and had my little sister, Gracie, and my little brother, Thor. Okay. Yes, I have a brother named Thor. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. They're all, they're all awesome. Um, but so when I was 12, my dad um, was back in my life and, you know, I was interested in spending more time with him. And I had a really bad relationship with my stepdad. And so I started entertaining the idea of going and living with my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I told my mom that and um, kind of this really ugly custody situation ensued. Mm -hmm. Um, And I look back at that and I appreciate that my mom was like fighting for me, but at the time it felt like she was fighting me. Okay. Um, Was your, your older sisters that you were living with, at the the junkyard, mm-hmm. were they a part of that as well? They weren't. Okay. Um, they, you know, were four and six years older than me. So I think if I was twelve, you know, they were so at that point. They're just like, they're teenagers. They're, they're like ready to get out of the yeah. house. Shelly probably was already out of the house by right. then. Yeah, she's eighteen-ish. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, they weren't really a part of that. Um, and so we ended up. My mom ended up divorcing Ron. Mm. 
and um, we moved out of the junkyard and into a trailer on my grandparents' property um, and lived there for a couple of years. And then um, when I was around like, I don't know, like 14 or 15, it's kind of blurry, but um, Ron came back and to our lives and basically said that he was a born again Christian. And at the time, I did really didn't know what that meant, yeah. but I knew I didn't trust him. Uh-huh. And again, like had just a very negative view of the church at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, nope. Right. And uh, so I was just going to say that probably that probably pushed you even further away. It from did. Him. It yeah. did. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, and I, you know, I just there was no grace for for that whole situation in my heart, and so I ended up moving in with my dad. Okay. Um, and mom and Ron actually got remarried, so she married oh, the wow. same man twice. <laughs> okay. Um, How, sorry, I think you you said it was it that was like two years in between. Uh, yeah. Again, it's like you, the timeline's yeah. a little bit blurry, right, but, but I think I, it was a couple years okay. in between. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm trying to. Yeah, like you said, it's a little blurry, but. Like 12 to 15. Yeah. So so two or three years. And so I moved in with my dad. I knew, I think I was around 15 when I moved in with my dad. And then by that point he had married um, my stepmom and had Grace and Thor. And so I'm the only one of all of my siblings who's lived with everybody else. Interesting. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, Um, but it's, it's funny because my older sisters kind of look at my two younger siblings as like almost like cousins, you know, just because they never lived with them. It's not not. that they don't love them, but it's just like, just really a different kind of relationship. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Not, not, not not totally sibling. I think cousins. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I'm imagining if you're listening to this, like a family tree might, might be needed to draw. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is Annie in the middle and then connecting a bunch of dots. Like, okay, there's, I know there's a Thor somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, yeah. But, it, but okay, so you so you're living with your so I living with my dad and dad my stepmom, and, and then my two youngest siblings from like 15 to 18. Um, and this and, is also in Ohio. Yes. Okay. Yeah, all this is in Ohio, and it wasn't long after um, I moved out that my mom actually got into a really serious car accident and broke her back. Oh. And um, it. It's it's really crazy, but I promise you this is true. Um, her her back was broken, and then I don't know. It was like a month or maybe six weeks later, she was miraculously healed. Wow! And that was when she rededicated her life to the Lord mm-hmm. and like really started following after Him. Yeah. And when I look back at sixteen year old Annie, I'm like, hello, that was a pretty, pretty amazing yeah. you know thing that happened, and it should have got my attention, right? Um. But unfortunately, again, I was just like really stiff arming God and and a lot of things in that that I feel like the Lord was doing. Right, right. Um, I feel like some of the themes throughout my life are like the pursuing love of God and then the providential love of God. And I can see throughout my childhood, even though I didn't um, grow up with people like really telling me a lot about the Lord, um, just how there were these situations where it was like he was just showing me glimpses of himself. And when my mom was was healed, um, you know, that really was a pivotal uh, moment in her life. Mm -hmm. And it could have been a pivotal moment in my life as well, but um, I didn't allow it to be. But that was when my mom really started sharing her faith with me and um, 
you know, like every time I would see her, she'd be like, I'm praying for you. And she would mm-hmm. give me Bibles. And I was just kind of like, mm, I'm good. Right. But it, so it sounds like she was, she was just, she was a legit. Yeah. Like believe. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's no, awesome. No question. Okay. Yeah. And so even though I was still very skeptical about my stepfather, um, and and I will tell you at this point in my life, I believe that his faith was legitimate right? and has been. Um, however, you know, there was just a little too much water under that bridge for yeah. me to be able to. No, definitely. To trust it. Definitely. Yeah. So then, so this is all, like you said, that was shortly after. So all this throughout high school. Yeah. Um, so yeah. after my mom's accident, um, unfortunately, there kind of grew this big wedge between us. Mm -hmm. And so I would say from like 16 to 18, I didn't have a lot to do with my mom Mm -hmm. and, um, things were not good in the household with my dad either. And so I really just kind of took refuge in friends and particularly a boyfriend Mm -hmm. that I had in college or sorry, in high school. And then I ended up following said boyfriend to college. Mm -hmm. Um, not, not my proudest moment, but (laughs) it is what it is. I mean, yeah, you can't take it back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But I would say like throughout high school and even into college, I was just like searching in all the wrong places, but I was definitely searching. Um, and so kind of fast forward a little bit. Like I said, I followed my high school sweetheart to college. That did not go well. Um, that fizzled fairly quickly after we got to college. Um, Which is? Was Marietta College in Ohio. Mm-hmm. It was a very small liberal arts college. Um, I went there as part of their leadership program. Nice. <laughs> and um, But they also happened to have a petroleum engineering program oh, there. Wow. Um, which is where I ended up meeting my husband. So uh-huh. I don't regret that decision. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. These things <laughs> tend to have a way of working themselves out. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but a big thing that happened in, in between um, going off to college and then meeting Anthony was um, salvation. Um, yeah, that's a pretty that's Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty right. big. Yeah. yeah. So I would say I had kind of a rock-bottom experience in mm-hmm. college. Um I had dabbled in high school with an eating disorder, but I it, went, it got pretty bad in college. And um, when things fizzled out with the the guy that I ended up following to college, I just kind of spiraled mm-hmm. and um, was not putting anything good in my body. It was only putting bad things in my body. Yeah. And um, to spare all the grisly details, I will say there was one evening where I ended up on my dorm room floor in convulsions. Mm. Um, I had... Yeah, just not been not been treating my body well. And um, it wasn't an audible voice, but there was a voice inside of me that said, if you keep this up, you will die. Yeah. And I was pretty freaked out, (laughs) to say the least. And so even though I had been estranged from my mom for probably like three years at that point, um, I called her the next day and wow. I was like, I need you to come to school and no questions asked. She came wow. and I basically just told her everything mm-hmm. and she wasn't surprised. Right. But, um, I mean that she led me to the Lord. She was like, wow. here has, here's what's made the biggest difference in my life. Wow. And, um, so, you know, I became a follower of Christ, but I really had no idea what that meant. Right. And so, I was like, okay, Lord, like I, I need you to teach me what it means to follow yeah, after yeah. you. Do you and, think like, I mean, maybe you'll get to this. So if I'm jumping ahead, it's okay. um, do you think 
it was kind of just, it was like, okay, this crazy, like obviously horrible thing has happened to me. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine it from your shoes. Just being like, okay, I, there isn't, there has been a difference in my mom. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. What do you think it was just the, the, at least the salvation at first was more just like, okay, well, if it worked for her, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of out of options. I need to try something. I think so. And it, I really had seen a significant difference in my yeah. mom. I think for yeah. a while I was trying to just be in denial of that because right. I didn't, I didn't want it to be yeah. that the answer no, totally. to that be the answer. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and it makes sense too. like, you, if you found comfort in friends and partic- particularly a boyfriend and yeah. a boyfriend like that just, just ended. Yeah. Like that makes sense that now you're like, okay, well now I can't hope in that anymore. Right. Now I can't hope in all these things. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and again, like the pursuing love of God, I just, you know, I can look back and see how, um, I didn't have good father figures in mm-hmm. my life, but, um, even before I became a Christ follower, like I worked for the basketball coach at the college and he was like a second dad to me. I mean, he would, he was always on me, but like in the best way possible, yeah. just like, what are you doing? Like, get your head on straight. You know? That's so cool. <laughs> and, and I love him for that. Yeah. Um, and then there was another professor that I had later, um, like right after I became a believer who, um, we called him doc. Nice. Um, and was just like the kindest, most gentle man. And I needed that in my life mm-hmm. because I just hadn't had men who had been gentle. And and he really, I mean, he was, um, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So after I became a believer, um, <laughs> it's funny because I had an internship in Las Vegas. So I like to say I became a Christian and then moved to Sin City. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> And so all I knew to do when I was um, in Las Vegas was read the Bible because I didn't have huh. a car. I okay. couldn't I couldn't get to church. And so that whole summer I did a summer internship there. And that whole summer I just like read the Bible, which is I mean, even for I would say most believers, that's probably pretty rare to like, I don't know. So probably <laughs> oh, darn, I'm stuck in <laughs> stuck in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Bummer. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. so so God was I mean, immediately was working. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's again, like the pursuing love of God for sure. Um, and so when I got back to college, this was my junior year. Um, I was like, Lord, I need Christians in my life. I need people to teach me what it means to follow you. And so I think it was like the first week of my junior year. I saw a posting for InterVarsity Christian fellowship and I was like, I don't know what it is, but it says Christian. Yeah. So I'm going to go to that. Okay. And when I walked in the guy playing the guitar, was Anthony. Mm. And I was like, I didn't know he played the guitar. He does. Yes. Little, little known. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, he was leading worship and, um, the staff worker for inner varsity was doc. So that's kind of how I got to know him. He was my jazz professor and he was, uh, the staff person for inner varsity. And so, um, immediately I just had like all these, wise Christian people kind of taking me under their wing mm-hmm. and like really teaching me what it means to, to study the word. And, um, InterVarsity is really big on like inductive Bible study. And, um, I was just eating that I was up. Gonna say that sounds like it was 
perfect for it, the spot that you were it at. It was wonderful. And so, and I was like truly on fire for the Lord. So I was having to like basically change up my whole life. Like mm-hmm. I had to change friends and groups because the other friend group was just not in a healthy place. Right. And and so, you know, InterVarsity kind of became my my lifeline. Yeah. And um were there any challenges in that? Like I mean, I you said you were on fire for the Lord, mm-hmm. so I think sometimes those can be easier if you're like when you're on on fire on fire. Yeah. But I don't know, like, were those friendships, were any of them, like, deep friendships that you had to, that you had to change from? Were there, like, tougher life decisions in that? Um, because I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Sometimes those can go yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say, like, my, my very best friend in college, um, and she and I... <laughs> Like we were trouble uh, sophomore year and we were still roommates when I, you know, had made this pretty big shift. Yeah. And I, I think she was skeptical, uh-huh. but we were close enough where she was like, OK, like you do you right. kind of thing. Right. Um, but praise God, um, like we we were runners. And so we would spend a lot of time running and talking and um I think God really used my wrestling to impact her. Yeah. And so eventually like she gave her life to the Lord. Oh, that's awesome. And and it's funny because she, I think at the time kind of credited me for that, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't take any credit for that. Like that was, the Lord was just like working stuff out in my life and using her just totally. kind of as a sounding board. And eventually she was like, yeah, I want this too. And, awesome. and praise God, she's you know still walking with him and has yeah. three little girls who are also walking with him. That's so, so cool. It's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but I would say it was hard in with my family because like yeah. my older sisters were like, "What are you talking about?" Like, you know, they had a pretty negative impression of the church as well, yeah. and so they were like, "We thought you were on our team," mm-hmm. you know, and so that was hard. Um, they're not in that place at this point, um, but. At first, I mean, yeah, it was it was good that I was on fire because I think that gave me the perseverance to kind of get through some of the hard transitions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So you're okay. So g- keep going. Sorry, that was a little. That's okay. Little no, it's good. Um, so yeah, I joined InterVarsity, and um, Anthony and I uh, were both on the executive team for InterVarsity. And so we just became really good friends. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I was dating someone at the time. He was dating someone. So there was no like trying to impress each other. It was just like, we're doing ministry together. And it's funny because I look back and we, we actually would argue a good bit, but it was because we were both so passionate about the ministry and it gave us both like really good insight into each other's hearts. Uh That's cool. Yeah. So it was really cool. And then, um, you know, long story short, like both of those relationships end up ended up ending, and um, he and I decided to start dating like two months before we graduated. And, Great timing, yeah, perfect timing. And so, um, and he already had an internship lined up in Texas, uh-huh. and so, like most of our dating relationship and then all of our engagement was long distance because I stayed in Ohio uh-huh. and he went to Houston, Texas. Uh, okay. So what did you, so were, did, 
Did you stay in Ohio to finish school or were you? No, I I finished. Yeah, we we graduated at the same Mm -hmm. time. And I stayed in Ohio because I actually went to a different college um, with InterVarsity. I did volunteer staff for them for a year. Okay. Um, Oh, volunteer staffing. Yeah. So did you just have a a regular job? Yeah. I worked for a staffing company. My undergraduate degree is in HR. Mm -hmm. And so I worked in that field. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, And then he and I got engaged in, in. Uh, 2002, so I'm dating myself a little bit. Uh, we got married. I was two. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Jack. <laughs> I, I, I always have to throw that in there. It's, yeah. it's so fun. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we got married, and I moved, um, you know, a thousand miles from everything that I knew. Yeah. And and I grew up in a small town, okay. and so then I moved to Houston, which is the fourth largest city in the mm-hmm. U.S. and it was crazy. Yeah, that's it. Okay. It's actually funny. I just uh, did a podcast with Kyle Kirsch mm-hmm. and he lived in Houston for a little bit too oh, for, I didn't a, know that. for an internship. And I think it was an internship. Maybe it was an actual job. Okay. You have to find out on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but we looked it up the four, cause it was, we were like, I, he, he couldn't remember what, how big the city was. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like top five. And we it's, looked it yeah. up and it's four. Yeah. 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 And how big was the town that you grew up? Oh my gosh! I mean, maybe a hundred thousand people. Okay, and then so I moved not. to Houston. I'm, right, it's not like you know. Podunk, I was expecting. But. Yeah, I was expecting like <laughs> ten, ten, five thousand. <laughs> yeah, okay, I mean. So. My high school was teeny tiny. Okay. Like I, I graduated with like a hundred and thirty some people. Okay, um, but yeah, but moving from you know Ohio to Houston was was quite a quite a change. No, totally, totally. Um, and then not long after um, we got married, I decided to go to grad school to become a counselor. Uh-huh. And um, around that same time, so sorry, I'm jumping around, but um, the first year that we were married. Like Anthony was, you know, we were both in Houston together and just kind of like figuring out what it was like to be married. Mm -hmm. But then when I decided to go to grad school was right at the same time that Anthony got a rotational job for his um, career, which meant that he was gone four weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. So he was only home half of the time. Right. So when I was in grad school, that actually worked out pretty well because I could just like throw myself into school while he was gone. And then when he was home, we would just spend tons of time together because when when he was home, he was off. Right. So it actually worked really well. Yeah. Until um, I graduated and started my real job, yeah. and then it like we kind of became two ships, kind of passing in the night. Yeah. Like we just weren't able to spend much time together. Yeah. And so this next kind of phase of my life, um, I'm not going to go too into the details because that's kind of like. Anthony and my testimony together. Yeah. Um, I'll give a shameless plug though, because we do marriage enrichment retreats. Nice. And I was going to say, I was going to bring it up. So I'm glad you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do tell our story. Um, and it's really, it's God's story of redemption in our marriage. Um, on those marriage enrichment ret- retreats. So if you're interested, we're happy, you know, to share that with you. But, um, suffice it to say that, um, about six years into our marriage, um, things got really, really hard, and our marriage pretty much imploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of my worst fears because there's just this long legacy of divorce in my family. Right. I think that's 
yeah i'm glad we i mean starting from the beginning is always i think the, the best way to tell the uh, uh, anyone's story but mm-hmm. i think that's very important in in this case yeah because you yeah you just understand that yeah so and it truly it was like one of my biggest fears and mm-hmm. so um when we were on that road toward divorce um i was it was awful mm-hmm. it, I, I call it the great sadness um but again god just gave me wonderful people to come alongside like i had a mentor who was probably old enough to be my grandfather um <laughs> who just really kind of took me under his wing. He was uh, another counselor. Okay. And so I was like doing um, consultation with him. And then when everything in my marriage happened and he could just see that I was very broken. um, I mean, he wasn't counseling me, but he was just like a a huge source of encouragement to me during that time. And um, also, and even though I'm not going to go into all the details about, that really difficult time in our marriage. One thing where I just really want to give God the glory. Um, we had a friend group that we had been in Bible study with for probably like seven years. And it was all couples who got married around the same time that we did. So we kind of like grew up in our marriages yeah. together. Um, and even though by that point, um, the group wasn't meeting together because several of them had like moved away and like s- some people had started going to different churches. Um, when we let them know what was going on in our marriage, um, they, I think it was like six couples, maybe five, I don't know, um, got together on a weekly basis and wow. just prayed for us. Oh, that's so cool. It was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and we weren't part of that. They were just meeting and praying mm. on our behalf. And it was amazing. And I absolutely believe that God used that in um just all of the changes that were necessary um, in order for our marriage to be restored and yeah. redeemed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so cool. So, so the kind of nutshell version is we, um, we, we learned a lot of things the hard way yeah. in our marriage. Yeah. And um, after that, I mean, several, I mean, we, <laughs> it took several years of like pretty intense counseling uh-huh. for us to get to a place where um, we were, whole again yeah, yeah. and redeemed. Um, but after that, God put within both of us just this deep passion to minister to other couples mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to learn the hard way, the hard yeah. way like we did. Yeah. And, um, and it's so cool cause we didn't know this at the time, but after, um, we started up this marriage ministry at our church in Houston, um, one of our friends who had been part of that group who had prayed for us said to me, she was like, Annie, this is exactly what we prayed for. (laughs) She was like, it's, we asked God not just to restore and redeem your marriage, but to use your marriage to encourage other people in their marriages. That's so cool. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the, I think that's the providential part of, of God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. He, he has pursued me and he has provided and yeah. I am so incredibly grateful. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. So this is timeline, I guess, of your, of your life mm-hmm. at this point. Um, you said it took, I mean, took several years to, yeah. so, so I, by the time it's, you guys are whole, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I was probably, 
I think it, I was like 29 when everything exploded, uh-huh. and then I was probably around like 32, 33 when we started up the marriage ministry. Okay. So that was 11 or 12 years ago at this point. Yeah. So yeah. now I've just told you exactly how old I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. That no, was, that's it's, it's all good. Um, so yeah, we were part of a church in Houston um, that we absolutely loved. It had a really strong discipleship focus, uh-huh. and we grew so much in our faith in that church. Um, what was the name of it? Grace Bible Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Grace Bible I was Church. Say, I've yeah. listened to a couple of their um, their sermons that Anthony has sent me. Yeah. So, so, so. so good. Yeah. Um, and then I would say we can kind of jump to six or seven years ago. Um, you know, we're, we're trucking along in Houston, doing really good. But Anthony and I always kind of knew we didn't want Houston to be our forever home. Yeah, We have wonderful friends there and we had a wonderful church. Um, but we had lived there for almost 20 years and we'd gone through five hurricanes and had multiple accidents, like hit and runs where, you know, someone would hit us and then take off. And so I'm not trying to like denigrate Houston. Like there are wonderful people there, but um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. A little we were just bit. like, yeah, that's okay. This is not sustainable forever. Um, the weather is just hard. And Anthony and I love to be outside. And right. it kind of feels like you live in the swamp there mm-hmm. for most of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like five or six years ago, we started thinking in terms of like, where would we like to end up? And we have a unique situation because we don't have children mm-hmm. and our family is scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my siblings live in different states. So my mm-hmm. poor mama. Um, yeah, but seriously. <laughs> I know. Uh, so we just started kind of thinking in terms of like, okay, what do we want? Where right. do we want right. to be? And so we started visiting different places. Like at first we thought maybe California and then we looked at like Washington, Oregon. And so we were kind of like, we're honing in on the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had some friends in Houston who were as we were talking about this, they were like, oh, this sounds really intriguing. We don't really want to be in Houston forever either. And so we were kind of like, I don't know, gathering this little group of people who were interested. And we were like, let's just, you know, take a little little group with us. Yeah, totally. And so we went on a few trips like together as families. And um, it's funny because... Um, so one of those families was Jen and Ben Wolf, and Jen's parents are Steve and Sharon Collard. Yeah. Um, and so in 2016, I think I'm getting this right, we all came together to visit Boise. Okay. Jen had a friend here, and Anthony actually met a guy on like a football guy like forum thing who was like, <laughs> I live in Boise, you should come check it out. And so... Um, we're like, okay, let's go look at it. Yeah. And so we came with the wolves and the collards came just to like help with the wolf's children. They yeah. were not really even interested in moving to Boise. Yeah. And we all fell in love with it. Yeah. We were like, this place is great. Uh-huh. It has, you know, access to amazing, you know, nature and um, just like everything we were looking right. for. Anthony's like so excited about the four seasons. Uh-huh. Can um, I ask like what... If you remember, like, where did you guys stay? What did you guys do? Like, I don't know. I think that stuff is fun. So, yeah, like, because I get that question a lot about 
why I chose to go to Boise State. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think this this stuff is is cool. So do you guys do you remember like what you guys did and, and where you Gosh, stayed and stuff like that? Because we visited so many times after that. I'm trying to think that first yeah. time. I know we stayed in an Airbnb like up in the foothills, okay. which was super cool. Yeah, I was going to say that helps a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And um, oh, Anthony and Jen and Ben and Steve went uh, fly fishing, Okay, which they were like, this is super cool. Yeah. And now Steve's very into it. <laughs> um and I think we just like hit up some of the like fun places downtown, like yeah. the shops and the restaurants. And I remember thinking like it's it's hard to compare because Houston has an amazing food scene. Right. Like that is one of the things that Houston is known for. It's a very diverse city, so you can find any type of food there you want. Mm-hmm. And we were like, Okay, we're Boise's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> a little tad, different. Yeah. Um but I will say between like that point and now, like Boise's really upped its food and coffee game. Yeah. So like sure. I cannot complain. For sure. Um, so yeah, I don't remember a ton about that first trip except like we just we went for a lot of hikes and yeah. we walked along the green belt and we were just like, This place is amazing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um and so I think it was the callers who actually ended up buying a house here first. Yeah. Out yeah. of that group. I think uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. It, which was so funny because again, like they hadn't come for that reason. Um, so they bought a house and then they were going to rent it out until they were ready to like move here. And then Jen and Ben bought a house, and then Anthony and I found our house and bought in October of 2017. Okay, so that's when we bought, and praise God we did because yeah, seriously. that was right before the market like went crazy. Yeah. Um, because we would not live where we live now had we not bought then. Right. Right. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, so then after we bought the house, we were like, okay, eventually we're going to end up in Boise, but we're not like ready to make that leap yet. Mm-hmm. So we rented it out for a few years and um, actually had some really sweet friends who wanted like a big change in their life. So we were like, you know, go stay in our Boise house for yeah. a year. And they did. And they loved it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but... Yeah, we just kind of needed to kind of end things well in Houston. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to wrap up. I had a private practice there that I needed to like kind of make sure I handled all of the transitions for mm-hmm. my clients well. And then, um, you know, we had some financial goals we needed to meet before we were able to yeah. kind of make the leap as well. Was that a weird phase, like buying a house in a totally different city, but yeah. then still living in a different place for a couple of years. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine for sure. It's funny because, you know, we talk in terms of like the already not yet. Right. When right. we're talking about like, you know, the gospel. I was going to say like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that was kind of like we were living in this constant state of already not yet. Yeah. Like we have this house and we have this like goal of, of kind of like lifestyle and just what we want to do eventually, but we were still very much in them, like not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good. Like God really met us in that and allowed us to do a lot more marriage retreats in the midst of that. And then like train up some other people to carry on that ministry yeah. at GBC before we moved here. And we weren't sure if the marriage ministry would continue here or not. Um, but it was really cool because actually Steve and Sharon asked if they could use that curriculum to do some premarital with a couple at Rev. Uh-huh. And so it kind of like word got out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Super yeah. Cool. Super cool. Um, okay. So then what was, what I'm just trying to think, was there anything like noteworthy that happened in your last like couple years in Houston or, or do you just want to jump ahead straight to? 
to moving here? Yeah, it's it's hard because um, COVID happened right. in yeah. the last couple years that we were there. And um, honestly, we ended up having to stay in Houston like an extra year mm-hmm. from what we had originally planned because when COVID happened and the um, economy kind of tanked, yeah. We were like, oh, the the nest egg that we were hoping for, we didn't quite have, yeah. and so and um, I I didn't feel right about leaving a lot of my clients in the midst of such right. you know it was right. like global trauma, no, totally. you know, totally. And so yeah, we ended up staying there a little bit longer than we had anticipated, um, and. But I, you know, I zero regrets. Like right. I'm really thankful that I was able to walk with a lot of my clients through that period of time. It was um, it was exhausting, and I will tell you that by the end of, like, March of 2021 is when I started a sabbatical period because I was pretty burnout. Yeah, totally. Um, COVID, you know, took a toll on everyone, right. but I would say those in the helping professions, like, especially mm-hmm. so. Totally. And so um, I was I was exhausted, yeah, and yeah. so I took a sabbatical from March of 2021 until June of last year, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful for yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Do you mind like maybe going into a little bit more like what exactly you do? Because I sure. think you like you mentioned like got uh, was it masters? Yeah, or, yeah. I went yeah. to graduate school to get your master's mm-hmm. to be a counselor. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of counseling? Or yeah, um, yeah just like yeah, that's probably important. Well, I mean, it, it was you were like explaining it during the 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 sadness period. Oh and yeah, I was like, yeah. Mm, this doesn't <laughs> seem like the right time to go off on this tangent, <laughs> but I think we'll come back to it. So yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a master's in Christian counseling. Uh huh. Which and, that's so cool. I think that's just yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So my uh, my degree is from Houston Baptist University, and um, it's cool because it you know I learned a lot of psychology, and at the same time I was learning how to integrate my faith with yeah. what we know from science. Yeah. Um. So it was really cool, and um. I have always had a pretty general practice, but when I was in my early years of counseling, um, I worked with a lot of kids. And even though I love working with kids, I kept getting called into court. Mm. And if you remember me saying I went through kind of like an ugly custody battle myself as a child. Mm-hmm. And so it was very triggering for me. Totally. There's a lot of, um, it just wasn't good for me. And so probably after about seven years practicing, I was like, I don't think I'm going to see kids anymore. And so um, I grandfathered in a few of the teenagers that I had been seeing. So I didn't like kick them to the curb, but I was just like, I'm not going to take any new kid clients. And so for the last, yeah, I guess like nine years, I have only seen adults Uh and um, I do a lot of couples counseling at this point um, because that's obviously near and dear to my heart. Totally, It's really hard. Yeah. Couples counseling is a whole different level. Yeah. Um, Like, I mean, you don't have to go into like too much detail, but what are some of like the biggest challenges that you'll face doing that? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot. Um, I I would say one is, you know, when when it's just me and one other person in the room, I can be so present to that person. I can really attend to like what's going on with them emotionally Mm -hmm. and even like physically. Mm -hmm. And when there's two people, you're trying to do that for both of them and then watch the way that they interact Mm -hmm. as well. And like also like 
listen, but also like think about what am I going to say next? Yeah. Or like, what's the direction I'm going? It's just everything is multiplied. Yeah, totally. No, that makes a lot <laughs> so of sense. It's, it's yeah. a lot harder. And then I would say the other thing that's hard about couples counseling and, um, <laughs> listeners, please take this to heart. Um, <laughs> A lot of people don't engage in couples counseling until somebody's got one foot out the door. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so if you mm-hmm. look at the statistics on like how successful marriage counseling is, it's, it doesn't look great. Right. But I think that's why it's yeah. like a, people aren't proactive about it. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm. It's music to my ears and it's delightful to me to work with people who are being proactive. Yeah. But that is way more the exception than the rule. Right. Typically when people come in, it's like, we've been married 20 years and we haven't liked each other for 15 of those. And I'm like, oh gosh. So we are digging out of a deep hole. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, I, I, those, I mean, you mentioned like when statistics look bad like that, and it's like, well, yeah, when like a couple months of couples counseling is not going to fix 15 years of not liking someone. Right. So yeah. 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 That, that makes a lot of sense yeah. for sure. And I think that's, that just might be the, the, like the stigma, I guess, around couples counseling, right? Like couples counseling, that sounds, oh, I know. we're going to couples counseling. Yeah. Well, what's wrong? What is, why is someone already right. one foot out the door yeah. instead of just yeah. like, no, we just don't want to be one foot out the door. Exactly. And so. I do think, I'm mean, praise God, I do think that it's becoming more um, socially acceptable to do that proactively. Um, But it's funny, even on our marriage enrichment retreats, and we call them that for a reason, marriage enrichment, people will, people have told us like, oh, we told our family we're going to this marriage enrichment retreat. And they're like, oh, what's wrong? And I'm like, no, that's (laughs) like, we proactive, not reactive. Totally. Totally. Okay. So you guys, so you moved to, to Boise. Yeah. And what was the, what was the, date that you guys arrived or what what month was july of 21 Mm -hmm. is when i came first and then anthony had to kind of wrap up some things at work and then he came like two weeks later okay um and it's really funny because we thought our house was going to be done like we started the construction on it this is you know the age-old story we started the construction in like february it was supposed to be done by may and in by July, it was still ongoing. And so the callers let us stay in their house for a little while. The wolves let us stay in their basement for like, I don't know, like six weeks. We bounced around to like a few different couches for a little while. And then eventually we got like a Airbnb for like a month until our house was finally ready. It's exhausting. It was exhausting, but we had wonderful people who were so, so kind and gracious to us. So you finally move in to the house. What was September? September of 21. Okay. Yeah. September like 24th. So it was almost the end of September. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, um, oh, and then the other fun thing about like how we ended up at Rev is, um, so before we moved here, every time we would visit, you know, because we had the house and we had friends staying in the house. And so we would come and visit, um, and we needed to be here like during some of the renovation kind of stuff too so every time we would visit boise we would like try a different church Uh um and we had gone to rev a couple of times really enjoyed rev really you know loved a lot of the leadership um and it's funny because the collards had settled at rev and then the wolves had settled at city church Mm -hmm. and we had also visited city church and really loved it and it was funny because i think it was like the first time we visited city church john mitchell who was the pastor at the time um, was like, let's go to lunch. And we we're just like, this doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah, is seriously. like, and so we went to 
to lunch with him and like we were like he's great Bren's great like and so we were really torn yeah um and we were like oh you know we visited some other churches but we just kept coming back to like we really like rev and we really like city church and then right before we moved here the two churches merged and we were like thank you lord it just felt like such a gift that we didn't have to pick yeah seriously that's so cool yeah that's so cool so yeah yeah that's awesome yeah it was awesome um Cool. I mean, what, so, okay. What's, what's next when you get, is there, I mean, what was it like? You said you, you guys loved that church community. Yeah. That was the hardest thing. I was going to say, that's probably the hardest thing to leave that. Yeah. And then what was it like just being new people at a church and finding a new church community? Yeah. It it had been a long time since we'd been the new, the new people. Um, and Yeah, it was really, there was a pretty significant grieving period for both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we were not only grieving, um, like, our church community. I was grieving, you know, I had worked with some of my clients for years and years and years. So I was kind of grieving that. And I had worked with my coworkers for, like, eight years. And um, so there's just a lot of grieving. But it's it's one of those things. And I, I don't know, this might be a weird comparison, but it's just like, People don't always expect when you get married that there's like some grieving involved, but it's like you're closing one chapter and you're opening yeah. another one. Yeah. And so even if you're like really excited about this new chapter, you're still like grieving what you just right. closed, you okay. know. And so that's very much how it felt here. Like I was so excited to start getting involved um, and God answered so many prayers about just like giving us such an awesome church community here. But I was definitely like really sad and I was, I think one of the hardest things is I was trying to still really like stay in touch with like all my friends in Houston, <laughs> but also like make new friends here. Yeah, yeah. And when I was on sabbatical, it was a little bit easier because I just had more free time. But yeah. like now that I'm back to work, I'm like, okay, this is not no totally realistic. Totally. I mean, I think, I guess that I, I found that was tougher. That was tough in college too. Like going yeah. to college, um, you're closing that chapter of like high school but you're also starting a new one. And so everyone's kind of, especially your first year or so, you've got like, you're trying to keep that high school book open as long as possible. Right. And you're trying to keep in touch with as many people over there. Yeah. But then you're also meeting a bunch of new people over here. And yeah, yeah that's, it's, it's tricky. It's very tough for yeah. sure. For sure. Um, what, what we're kind of, I guess I'm curious because, yeah, anyways, um, what were kind of the steps that you guys took? To like, I don't know, I envision it as like a game plan of like, okay, we have this new church community. Like, how are we going to, because I think it's super impressive, I guess, with you Hmm. guys uh, and the callers as well. Like how you guys got plugged in uh, at Rev right away. Like what were kind of those, those steps that you guys took? Yeah. Good question. Um, We immediately joined a gospel community group. Mm -hmm. And we love our gospel community group. Very, very grateful for them. And we sat down and talked with Bren, just kind of wanted to meet him, know Mm -hmm. more about him. Um, And we also, like, we very strategically said yes to pretty much any invitation to get together with people. And we we said from the outset, we were like, this is not going to be sustainable forever. Right, right. But if if we really want to get plugged in, if we really want to, like, get to know people and be known, um, we're going to have to say yes. And and so we did. Yeah. You know, when we got together with a lot of people and um, 
and it's yeah it's been really awesome yeah i remember we went to your guys's place for dinner yeah one i think in that that was yeah that was around that time mm-hmm. uh, it had to been mm-hmm. i don't remember the exact date or anything but um yeah yeah, and I remember being like, I don't know them very well. Yeah. This is weird because I know, I feel like I know a good amount of people by this point. Um, Who are these random people inviting me to dinner? I, know. <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think it was Eleni. Yeah, it was. I think she got a, I think we got a text from her and being like, Anthony and Annie Higgins are inviting us over. And I was like, I don't know if I know them, but okay, cool. So, free, free food. food. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, yeah, and I think that's just so cool how that i don't know just how how much i know you guys now so yeah yeah I agree. yeah that's pretty cool um i think another thing i want to touch on and if i'm skipping something no can, i think we got through me. all my notes uh you're on the board at inspire idaho yeah uh do you want to talk a little bit about that sure yeah, yeah. um so inspire idaho is a nonprofit that seeks to help people who are aging out of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Um, John would be really sad because I'm, re- I'm misremembering our tagline right now, but basically like preparing them to thrive. Yeah. And so we do that through a few different avenues. Like we do, um, the, the biggest one is by pairing the youth um, who are aging out with mentors who have been trained like trauma informed training to make sure that they're safe people, obviously. Um, And so we, we pair them with mentors and a lot of times the way that happens is we hold um, life skills groups where we teach, you know, everything from like cooking skills to how to take care of your car to um, like different art forms. Like there's there's just all these really cool uh, life skills workshops. And so our coaches come to life skills workshop um, and then the youth come and we kind of see if any connections are made there. And so um, it's been a really, a really neat way um, to invest in these young people's lives who, I don't know if you know the statistics on people who, who end up, you know, aging out of foster care, but they, their lives don't typically go well for them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, meet with john uh, weekly so mm-hmm. we I, I get i get to hear about it a lot but yeah it's yeah. it's it's really cool um did he just ask you to yeah to, to join? Like, <laughs> yeah it's he asked anthony and i to go through the coaches training mm-hmm. and we did and we loved it and we were like this is an amazing organization we want to be a part of it um and then i think because of my background and some of the things that i was asking about during the training john was like we don't have any females on our board and really would love, you know, not only, I mean, I don't, I'm not like the token female, but, um, wanted to have a female voice, but also like a trauma informed voice. And that, that's something I didn't say about what I do, but, um, not only do I work with couples, but I work with a lot of people who have gone through significant trauma. I am, I am a trauma informed therapist Mm -hmm. and, um, I think John just really wants to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to set up the youth who come through Inspire Idaho um, for safety um, in these connections because so many of their connections in their lives have not been safe. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, did you have any? Okay, so did we did we get through it? I think we did. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you if you guys see Annie or, or Anthony on on Sunday mornings or or anywhere else, um, yeah, Annie's just a really a really friendly face around Rev. So it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm glad you you said yes when I when I asked you to come on. So well, it's funny I said yes and then I kind of freaked out afterwards. I was like, oh gosh, I've never done this. I don't know what I'm doing. But I do think it I yeah. do think it helps that we've released a couple of these episodes yeah, now for sure. because I had it was I was a tough time finding people that wanted to do it at really? first okay. because I think everyone was kind of like I, I don't want to talk on a microphone and <laughs> about my life. To right? Yeah. Um, so I'm. I'm I'm grateful now that we have those episodes out where people can be like, okay, it's not that bad. Jack's not going to like drill me with these insanely right. hard questions. I can just talk about my yeah. life story. So no, this has been great. Awesome. So. Well, I really appreciate you doing yeah, this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I hope the the um, pursuing love of God and the providential love of God really shine through yeah. uh, in the story. So me too. yeah, yeah. Thank awesome. you. Well, we've been closing um, with a prayer. Okay. So would you like to to pray and? And sure. close us out. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. God, thank you so much that you are a God that pursues us. Um, that that is what Jesus did. He came to seek and to save the lost. And another word for seeking is pursuing, Lord. And we're so grateful. So thank you for um, just this opportunity to testify to your goodness in my life. And I just pray that... Um, my story would connect with others in the ways that you have pursued them as well and provided for them, even in the, in the great sadnesses of, of our lives, Lord, um, we can always look to you and find hope and find peace and find comfort. And so we are so grateful and we just ask that you would bless Jack in this podcast and the intention, which is to glorify you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.